Hi, everybody. This is Kara Fitzgerald. New Frontiers in Functional Medicine is here every month, bringing you the best minds in functional medicine. And we would not be able to do this over the years without the generous contributions from our sponsors, Metagenics, Integrative Therapeutics, and Biotics Research. The mission of Metagenics is to lead the movement in making personalized nutritional intervention the standard of care in the treatment and prevention of disease and the promotion of optimal health. For over 30 years, Metagenics has been dedicated to scientific discovery, innovative products, unparalleled quality, education, and practitioner partnerships to support lifestyle functional nutrition. For more information, visit Metagenics at metagenics.com. Biotics Research. For four, over 40 years, the foundations of biotics research has been innovation and quality. Their goals remain unchanged. Innovative ideas, carefully researched concepts, and product development with advanced analytical and manufacturing techniques. Biotics nutritional products are of superior quality and effectiveness and available exclusively to healthcare professionals. Visit them at bioticsresearch.com. Integrative Therapeutics is focused on inspiring a better lifestyle through better health. By providing meticulously formulated nutritional supplements and valuable resources, Integrative Therapeutics promises to enrich your patients and embolden your practice. Welcome to your Integrative Therapeutics. Find them at integrativepro.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Kara Fitzgerald, and I am thrilled to be interviewing really one of the best minds in traditional Chinese medicine today. We're going to be talking about all things COVID-19 um, and the use of Chinese medicine, actually the long history of traditional Chinese medicine in pandemics. With me today is Dr. John Chen. Uh, Dr. Chen is a PharmD, PhD, um, a doctor of oriental medicine and a licensed acupuncturist. Uh, he practices on the West Coast. He's a recognized authority in both, both Western pharmacology and Chinese herbal medicine, uh, and formal training in both fields with extensive research on the ground in China. Uh, he teaches at the USC School of Pharmacy, uh, Emperor's College, Gyosan University of Traditional Chinese Medicine, and many other universities. He's taught here in the U.S. He can teach, well, he teaches here in the U.S. He teaches internationally. Um, his published works include Chinese Medical Herbology and Pharmacology, uh, and that's AOM Press in 2003, Chinese Herbal Formulas and App Applications in 2008, again, AOM Press, and Chinese Herbal Formulas for Veterinarians in 2012, AOM Press. He's the lead author on all of those. I came across Dr. Chen's work, um, actually I was introduced by Dr. Winston Cardwell, who's been helping me think through and write about using traditional Chinese medicine in preparation for COVID-19 here in the US. Uh, Dr. Dr. Chen is indeed on the ground in Wuhan, you know, communicating with um, physicians there and publishing actively on his site. When you go to our show notes page, you'll see that I've gathered together his PowerPoints, his publications, um, uh, and you know, just really as much of a clearinghouse of his work in this area. Uh, Dr. Chen, welcome to New Frontiers. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So you're, you're talking to clinicians, primarily uh, our audience. They're what we're Western trained. So the fact that you've got this, you know, this Eastern, this East and West training is particularly useful for us. So tell us what's happening in China. Talk to, talk to me about, you know, using TCM over there and, and some of the results okay. they're getting. Okay. Well, this obviously first happened um, back in December of 2019. And um, so what, after they start noticing some uh, cases of pneumonia, you know, uh, they, they realized this is very similar to the SARS back in 2000, 2003 and 2004. So within a short, of, short amount of time, um, the Chinese government have taken very drastic actions, as everybody knows. Um, they start building hospitals in 10 days. They start to quarantine the whole city of Wuhan and uh, Hubei province and all the surrounding cities and so on. And then uh, what they have also done is they started to treat the patients. Um, and of course, this is a novel coronavirus. So most of the things they are trying to do is a little bit of trial and error. 
you know. So yeah. they use they use the protocol they learned from SARS uh, as a starting point, and they build on that, and they continue to try different things until they find the most effective approach. And in fact, uh, all the experience that's learned are uh, either either on on the ground in the local hospitals in Wuhan or the provincial hospitals or surrounding cities. What happened is uh, whatever information and experience they gathered, they sent it all to the central government in Beijing. And then Beijing will, you know, starts to um, look at all this. They modify uh, their treatment protocol and they send it back to all the hospitals, both on a city level and also provincial level. So basically it's a, it's a process of uh, trial and error and refinement, trial and error and refinement, and the information continued to be gathered and published. And in fact, uh, they published a book called the, um, let me give you the exact title here, one second. It's the Guidance of Coronavirus Disease 2019. And in fact, we are in the seventh edition of the book already. And the book is about 200 pages. So it's kind of like how they build the hospital in 10 days. Uh, they publish the book of the treatment protocols and they continue to update it every week, every other week. And one out of the, yeah, and out of the seven editions, one of them is in fact an English version. You know, so anyone that's interested, uh, it's definitely available for download for free. Oh goodness. Okay. Well, we'll absolutely, if we can, we'll link to it on our show notes page, folks. But you've, you've got the name. We'll certainly put the name there and and and, and give okay. access instructions. Appreciate it. So what? And and is this looking at both TCM as well as? Uh, Western approaches? They, they do both. Um, some of the smaller clinic or smaller hospitals in China are more traditional. Uh, mm -hmm. So they pretty much treat it from a traditional perspective, uh, meaning uh, mostly herbal medicine, and then to some smaller extent, acupuncture and others. But what happened is um, this happened so fast, so quickly, and so severely that um, there's really no time to do acupuncture treatment or anything else. You know, so in essence, what they did is they um, classify all the patients more or less into four major categories. Uh, the first category will be prevention. Second is when they show early signs and symptoms. Third is when they have pneumonia or acute phase. And then finally is uh, recovery of when they are discharged. So within these four phases, uh, there is some differential diagnosis and then corresponding treatment. Um, so once they made this broad category of differential diagnosis, they come up with the best treatment protocol and then patients get those set formulations. That way it's a lot faster, it's a lot more efficient uh, because they just don't have the time to write customized treatment based on each individual patient. So I wanna understand what is being prescribed for these four phases. Um, if they're significantly, you know, just thinking about COVID-19 in general, I know that there are, you know, there are different symptom pictures. So is the, is the intervention changing much in TCM? So I want you to walk through all that. Um, but I, I, I want to hear also, Dr. Chen, how are people responding to this approach? Okay. Okay. Well, the, the first phase is a prevention phase, you know, so that part is, uh, the protocol is pretty much the same, uh, whether you're looking at the city, provincial, or national level. And that is the emphasis is to keep the patient as healthy and as strong as they possibly can. You know, so, you know, let's say people in the here as well, right? There are people that maybe they party a lot or they work a lot, they're under a lot of stress, they don't sleep very well. You know, so these are all many factors that can contribute to a weakened immune system. Okay, so... Whatever the cause may be, uh, patients should realize um, these are factors that may weaken their immune system. So they need to correct that so they stay as strong as possible as they are exposed to the virus. This will help them to minimize the chance of getting an infection. And then as far as herb goes, um, generally speaking, the herb of choice is an herb called astragalus, uh, mm -hmm. uh, or uh, generally speaking, Chinese herbs are prescribed uh, in a formulation. So the herbs can help each other and maximize the effect. Uh, the formulation in this case is one called a J-screen powder. Um, and its Chinese name is called Yu Ping Feng Sai. So this is the core formula used to help to boost the immune system uh, for both 
the non-specific and also specific immunity, uh, so the body can help to fight off the infection uh, even before when they are exposed. And let's say if for some reason they are not able to because COVID nineteen is very contagious. Okay, uh, then what happens is uh, patient will start to show early signs and symptoms. Uh, but at this point, the signs and symptoms are very vague. They are a little bit generic. Right? So patient may have fever, a little bit of dry cough, some muscle aches and pain, and fatigue. You know? But that doesn't tell you anything uh, as far as exactly what you have. It yeah. could be a common cold, it could be an influenza, or it could be, in fact, coronavirus. Okay? So at this early phase, uh, the treatment is to use herbs that, number one, help to treat the virus infection itself, okay? or treat the bacterial infection. It could be a bacterial infection as well. And then a lot of herbs uh, also for supportive care. Okay, so for example, if they have headache, something to relieve the headache. If they have muscle aches and pain, something to relieve the muscle aches and pain. And also to help with the blood circulation as well. Because in early phase, a lot of people may have some chills and fever. And that, that is in part due to vasoconstriction. Okay, so once the blood vessel constricts, then you have less blood that flow to the peripheral parts of the body. You know, so that means the white blood cells cannot get to the disease area. That means your mucous membrane is maybe a little bit um, thinner than it normally should be. So the virus can get into the body a little bit easier. So anyways, the bottom line is when they are in the early phase, uh, it's a little bit of antiviral approach to treat the virus and also a little bit of supportive approach to support uh, and release some of their signs and symptoms. Okay. And then the next phase is probably the most complicated, uh, and that is the pneumonia phase. Before right? so you jump I, into I, I, section, oh, okay. before, before you jump into pneumonia, can you just talk to me about some of the key botanicals that you're considering in the early phase? Okay, the early phase there are a few. Um, some or the one that I use the most is probably Lanisfera flower, which is Jin Yin Hua, or Forsythia fruit, which is Lian Chao or isatus root and isatus leaves, which are banlangan and da qingye. Okay, so these herbs traditionally are described as herbs that clear wind heat. Okay, so uh, you have to think back, you know, a couple thousand years, and this is obviously before the discovery of bacteria and virus and microscope and all that, right? Mm. So what happened is when somebody is under the weather, okay, and they are exposed, to different uh, weather conditions, or maybe they are, you know, they contracted the disease. And in the past, obviously, you cannot see the bacteria, you cannot see the virus. So doctors in the past use the best description they can to describe what's happening. And that is when they're exposed to the wind or heat or rain or a cold, they contract you know, each infection. It's kind of like common cold, right? It's not really a cold, but it's actually a viral infection. So herbs that are described to treat wind cold or wind heat generally are the ones that shows the initial effect to treat either bacterial or viral infection. I just wanted to make a comment to listeners. We can get many of these herbs in combination or as single herbs through some of our traditional um, distribution routes. So for instance, natural partners or um, Full Script or Emerson, you will find some of these products. Um, at, at some point, I'll, I'll just ask you, Dr. Chen, about, about dosing these and how, you know, we might think about when not everyone is, is, is available or when we can't find those formulas. Sure. But let's keep, do you want to answer that now or do you want to keep talking about the phases? Well, let's talk about the phases. Uh, that way it's more continuous. And then um, the single herb, the formulas and dosing, uh, we can talk about that a little bit later because okay. um, how Chinese herbal medicine uses herb is most likely very different from how naturopath, herbalists, or uh, other modality that they use herbs. Yeah. Okay, so the next phase will be the pneumonia phase. And this is when the disease becomes acute, very severe, and also from the treatment perspective, it's also very complicated, okay? Um, generally, in the beginning, the patient would then have um, shortness of breath, they would have wheezing, dyspnea, they will show 
like stifling sensation or feeling of oppression in the chest. Okay, so this is an indication that the disease has probably moved from the exterior where, you know, it's early signs and symptoms of virus infection to most likely there's some lung involvement. Um, so in, at this time, generally in the hospitals in China, they would follow up and do a CT or chest x-ray. And when they see the cloudy appearance uh, on x-ray or CT, in combination with um, all the signs and symptoms, then they are, you know, uh, they are likely to have the COVID-19 infection. Okay, but obviously if test is available for confirmation, that will be ideal. Um, so in China, they do that. In Korea, they do that very aggressively. In the US, we are still a few weeks behind as far as having the testing available. But in any case, at the beginning, at this point, um, supportive care becomes very important because at this point, the virus has gotten into the lung cells, has replicated, and there is probably a lot of virus in the body already. You know, so now the body is in a full battle uh, with the virus. So we need to support the patient as much as possible. Generally speaking at this time, uh, herbs are used to dilate the lung to help with breathing. Herbs are helps to reduce body temperature. Herbs are used to reduce inflammation and so on. So uh, if you imagine, right, and once again, this is from a historical perspective, uh, obviously fever is a sign of heat. Okay, inflammation is also a sign of heat. In fact, if you think about the Western world, itis, right, whether it's gastritis, pneumonitis, arthritis, all the words that end with itis, itis means to set on fire, right? Mm -hmm. So all these disease basically are characterized by inflammation of some kind. Okay, so lung inflammation is the same, right? So historically, what happened is uh, wherever there is inflammation in the body, Chinese medicine would describe there's heat in that part of the body, right? So if the patient has pneumonia or bronchitis with inflammation of the lung, Chinese medicine generally will describe this as lung heat, okay? So the herbs used in this case generally will have uh, two or three different pharmacological effects. One is antipyretic effect to treat fever. One is antibacterial or antiviral effect to treat the lung infection itself and also anti-inflammatory effect to reduce the lung inflammation. Okay, so once the disease, again, goes from the outside of the body into the lung, the diagnosis in Chinese medicine is these patients now have lung heat condition. So the treatment then is to use herbs to reduce fever, to treat lung infection, and also to treat lung inflammation. Okay, one other thing that I wanna point out that's very important is cytokine storm is one of the significant things that happens in COVID-19. And this happens when the immune system overreacts in a controllable fashion and start to attack not just the virus, but also the lung tissues and the lung linings. And it also produces too much of the cytokine, which are the pro-inflammatory uh, mediators. So now you end up with severe inflammation and damage to the lung. Uh, and then what happened is this in turn, create some fibrosis to the lung, as well as a lot of um, what they call the prote proteinaceous exudate, very sticky discharge to the lung, okay? So what happened is this is actually what blocks the patient from being able to breathe properly and get the air into the lung and into the blood because so much of the space is blocked by these very thick um, discharge. And then what happened is a lot of the time, if you ask a patient, you know, uh, do you have any sputum, do you have any phlegm? They'll say no, because they have dry cough, okay? Mm -hmm. And what happened is they do in fact have a lot of sputum and phlegm, but it's very, very dry and thick and sticky. And in fact, it usually goes into the alveolar sacs, the airspace, okay? Mm -hmm. So they actually don't know about this until uh, they did a biopsy in China you know, to open up the lung and see what's actually happening to the lung. And also in the, in the US, I think it was either New England Journal of Medicine or JAMA, I forgot where I read it. Um, but they also did biopsy in two of the patients with lung cancer who also have COVID-19. Uh, so after they did the biopsy, they, they found out the exact same thing, that there is so much of the phlegm that's deep inside the lung. So this is one of the most important things when they are actually treating 
the severe pneumonia at this point. So in Western medicine, obviously, if you, you know, watch TV, they talk about ventilator, respirator, oxygen machines all the time, right? Uh, this is going to help the patient to be able to breathe. But what happened is, you, you can imagine, right? You have all these exudates and phlegm and sputum that's inside the lung. Now, if you force too much oxygen into the lung, where do you think these sputums and phlegm are going to go? They're going to be pushed deeper into the air sacs. Okay, so that may not be very helpful because what was in the deep part that maybe there's a chance to maybe get rid of it either by dissolving it or by expectorating it out outward. Now what happens is, is if, you, if all you do is push oxygen further deep in, then you push those phlegm and exudates further into the air sac. So I think this is one area where they found out in Chinese medicine, really, after they did the biopsy, that before the oxygen is pushed into the lung at full speed, they need to clear the phlegm first. And once the phlegm is clear, then they might be able to breathe on their own, or they might still need oxygen. But if you don't clear the, the, the obstruction, then just pushing the air in may not do all the things they think it will do. Okay, so that is one of the main things that they discovered after about a month or so, uh, treating the patient with Chinese medicine, Western medicine, integrated medicine, which is a combination of both, that uh, they changed their protocol. You know, what used to be just dilating the lung and supportive care, then switch, switch focus. And getting rid of the phlegm, getting rid of the discharge becomes a very important focal point. Okay, so... Um, that is, um, in a very quick summary, um, how, you know, how TCM treats the pneumonia phase in China. Can you talk to me about some of the top botanical considerations for that phase? Um, those, those are basically, th those have a lot of the uh, herbs that are primarily the seeds. Okay, these seeds have a function, or in Chinese description, in Chinese description of herb, uh, for those of you who are not familiar, are very artistic. You know, so they are using what the eyes generally sees and what the common sense generally describes. So the Chinese description of herb is not like the pharmacology where it's specifically on the neurotransmitter or the receptor or the enzyme. So the C's in this case are described to be able to loosen up the phlegm so the body can extract it out or somehow make it more thinner so our body or our macrophages can, you know, engulf it and, you know, and take care of it. So some examples include the pedium C, which is in li zi, include mm -hmm. bitter almond C, which is ku um, xing ren, includes perilla uh, C, which is zi su zi, winter melon C, which is dong gua zi. Okay, or there's a formula called qing qi hua tan tang, which is to clear the qi, and dissolve phlegm decoction. Okay, so these are some of the herbs and formulas that work well uh, to get rid of the phlegm and to get rid of the sputum. There's also another formula called Se Gan Ma Huang Tang, which is a phlegm kanda and ephedra decoction. And this is a formula historically used to specifically treat the deep rooted phlegm in the lung that causes wheezing and dyspnea and asthma. And in fact, that formula is very frequently used in China now, sp specifically to battle the phlegm aspect of the pneumonia patients, pneumonia phase in COVID-19 patients. Okay, okay. Now, uh, I would like to link to a document that's talking about the specific herbs you're speaking to me about today. Would that be the YouTube presentation that you gave uh, recently, or would it be this, the COVID-19 uh, document how COVID-19 is currently treated it's, in China? Well, it's both. Um, both, the, both I have written a few articles. Uh, the first one I wrote is more specific about uh, what the Hubei province treatment protocol is. You know, so um, that was the very first, first article. Then I came across quite a few others. Uh, one is the Wuhan Union Hospital and their treatment protocol. And the one that I mentioned earlier is the central government from Beijing and their guidance for coronavirus okay. disease 2019. So okay. um, 
So in the end, what I did was I combined all these together along with uh, additional Western information and also clinical research and pharmacological research. And that is what I presented in the uh, presentation. And it's available on YouTube and it's also available at the eLotus uh, website. Okay, perfect. All right, we'll just corral together all of those references for you folks. But yeah, the YouTube is it's really useful and we do have, we can link to that PowerPoint as well. So you can actually have the PowerPoint that Dr. Chen's going through in front of you to make notes. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this content, you might want to know about our functional medicine clinic immersion programs available to all qualified practitioners who want to advance their applied clinical skills and build confidence in helping even their toughest cases. Delivered fully online, our program provides live mentorship option, access to our clinic's discussions of real patient cases, teach-ins with expert colleagues, and the opportunity to become part of an engaged and nurturing community of peers. Most importantly, you'll get the support you need to bridge the gap between functional medicine theory and practice. Please visit drcarefitzgerald.com, choose the Professionals tab, and select Professional Education Programs to find out more about the options available and to apply. And now back to New Frontiers in Functional Medicine. Um, yeah. Talk to me about outcome. I mean, I mean okay. as, as China began to sort of dial in the formulas, yeah, talk to me. Okay. Well, let me, um, let me finish the last part, which is the recovery phase, okay. then I'll mention the outcome. Uh, so what happened is, um, as the patients are finally healed and recover and they are discharged from the hospital, um, obviously uh, they are considered to be virus-free, but their body has suffered some damage during this whole ordeal. Um, what they have found is with SARS um, in two, you know, 2003 and 2004, there is severe damage, and the damage is generally uh, severe uh, pul pulmonary fibrosis, okay? In uh, COVID-19, if they are discharged, there is still some damage, uh, and the damage in this case is a combination of both the lung function and also the lung form. And what I mean by that is, form is referring to the organ itself. So they, they find scarring of the lung tissues, they find damage, damage to the inner lining is in the lung, and obviously when that happens, the function is compromised. So they end up with shortness of breath, wheezing, dyspnea, and so on. So a lot of the patients, even when they are discharged from the hospital, they still need a ventilator uh, to help them breathing. Um, so with the huge amount of shortage of ventilators in the US, that's probably not gonna happen. But this is an area where Chinese herb can help the patient quite a bit. There are a lot of herbs that can help to restore the function and improve the form. So their lung structure and their breathing can be back to normal as quickly as possible. You know, so most of, most of those are herbs that help to repair the lung, like sasen glenia, or mai men dong, or fiofogunus, uh, or a, a formula called sasen mai dong tang, which is a combination of those two that I just mentioned as the chief herbs, and then plus uh, some of the other supporting herbs. Okay, um, as far as the treatment outcome, um, I don't know of the exact treatment outcome. Uh, I mentioned there are three, three main treatment protocols, right? One is the Wuhan Union Hospital, so that's a city hospital protocol. One is the Hubei Provincial Hospital, that's the state. What happened is in the beginning, they were just so busy treating the patients. I don't know if they had time uh, to gather all the, all the data and do any kind of randomized placebo control or any kind of study like that. Um, so I haven't come across specific um, studies or results. It's not until a little bit later on when the central government gets all this information, they start to refine the study before they will uh, issue the herb or they will uh, you know, provide guidance of what formulas to use for first phase and also try to gather data as far as effectiveness of the treatment. And obviously when they did this, they try to study both the drugs, which you know, in this case are the antiviral drugs that used to be used for HIV, but they were using it for uh, COVID-19 and also the herbs. And the herb, the herbal formula, uh, they were pushing or recommending the most is one called, um, let me look it up real quick so I can give you the data as well, called Qingfei mm -hmm. Fei Tang, 
which literally means clear the lung and eliminate toxins decoction, or some people translate it as clear the lung and detoxifying um, potion. Okay, and it's a formula that's composed of four other formulas, meaning it takes idea from four other formulas. Okay, and I can go into those in detail a little bit later if the audience likes, or it's all in my uh, presentation in YouTube. But what I have found is they have given this formula to patients that's at the transition of early signs and symptoms and into the pneumonia phase or uh, right into the pneumonia phase. So basically, for patients that are confirmed to have COVID-19 and as the disease starts to progress from early signs into the pneumonia phase. And what I have found is they gave this formula to 701 patients in 10 provinces. And the data that's reported is 130 recover and were discharged. 51 had resolution of signs and symptoms. 268 had improvement of signs and symptoms. 212 has stabilization of signs and symptoms. So their overall effective rate is 94.3%. Right. And I, that would be the antivirals, I would imagine. Well, this uh, is a, like I said, this is a combination of four, actually four formulas. And the four, four formulas are basically aimed to treat both the symptoms, the signs, and to treat the virus, and also to um, speed up the recovery. You know? I, so, I, yeah. I didn't ask the question correctly. I meant that this particular intervention probably outperformed the HIV antivirals. Is that correct? Um, I believe so. Um, the, the HIV antivirals um, were the HIV drugs. And in mm -hmm. fact, the results were just published last week. And I believe it was also first reported by New England Journal of Medicine as well. And the, the results were basically called, quote unquote, disappointing because the mm -hmm. drugs show no significant benefit compared to people that did not take the drugs. So let's see, what else do I want to ask you? Now, you know, having the, having a lot of research went into SARS-CoV-1. I mean, right. and, and there were preventative interventions used. So this is when I began to mm -hmm. sort of think about Chinese medicine and find your, find your work. I mean, they were mm -hmm. using Jade Windscreen and um, another product that came across, Sanju Sun Yin, as preventatives right. in SARS-CoV-1. and mm -hmm some good, very powerful outcome. Can you talk about that and how that informed COVID-19 a little bit? Sure. Um, so that approach is very similar to the current prevention approach for COVID-19. And the study was originally done in Hong Kong in 2005. And what they did was they went to uh, several hospitals and tried to recruit volunteers. And basically what they did was those that agree to take the herb, take the herb for 14 days, and those that did not take the herb becomes the control group or the non-herb group. And at the end of the study, uh, let me look up the results real quick. At the end of the study, what they found is of 1,063 people in the herb group, 0% were infected with SARS. And then with 15,374 people in the non-herb group, 64% individuals were affected. And these are all people that work in the hospital, doctors, nurses, ancillary workers, and so on. And so the number of people that's affected is 0.4%. Okay, so the p-value is 0.035, which means the study was significant that the herb worked well, we can say with 95% confidence to prevent SARS. Okay, and then yeah. there were some minor side effects. 1.8% uh, of the people that took herbs uh, experience some um, nausea, sore throat, dizziness, and nausea, you know, but nothing significant. Okay, so this was, this was one of the study was, that was done uh, for SARS. Uh, this is for prevention. And what they have also done is there were a lot of herbs that they looked into, uh, and these ones, again, are mainly the herbs that treat the wind cold and wind heat with antiviral effect to see if they are effective against SARS virus. And again, you know, they were herbs uh, formulas and also individual compounds that all show promise. Um, but then the good news and bad news is SARS came and go uh, with a lot of fury, you know. So while it was there, it was quite significant. 
but also it didn't last very long. A few months later, it just um, somehow resolved and disappeared. Obviously, part of it is they were very aggressive with quarantine, you know, so in a way, it did start the virus out where uh, there were no, no additional people the virus could infect. Can you just say a little bit, I found it fascinating in your YouTube presentation, just the history of traditional Chinese medicine for pandemics. I mean, there's a like millennial long history. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Um, it's, it's not just China either, you know, I mean, it's, it's all throughout the world. If you, if you think about the world as a very small place now, right? Yeah. I mean, if anybody can hop on an airplane and go to a different country within a day. So basically the world is a very small place like a country in the past. And if you look at the last, you know, 20 years or so, we had the SARS, we had avian flu, we had swine flu, we have Ebola, we have COVID-19, you know, so we have quite a few, you know, so this kind of epidemic basically occurs every five years or so. And that rate is not that different from the history of China. Uh, the history of China is from the Eastern Han Dynasty to Qing Dynasty, which is roughly about 2000 years or so. There have been over 300 large scale epidemics. You know? So once again, it's one every five or six years. And, um, and so Chinese medicine has dealt with this for a long time. And the, a very general description of how Chinese medicine deals with this is the description is that these are the disease that start from the exterior and then move to the interior. And they can, uh, in the process, getting worse and worse, of course. And then it can affect different paths of the body or different part of the different organs of the body. So it could be from the outside, first with generic signs and symptoms, and then it could affect the lung, it could affect the stomach or digestive system or different parts of the body. And then generally speaking, in the beginning, uh, the description is it's more excess, right? And excess refers to all the signs and symptoms shows uh, there's too much off, right? So too much of fever, too much of infection, too much of inflammation. So, and that's usually during the baffling phase that the immune system is trying to fight off the infection. And then as the disease continues to get worse, uh, if the immune system happens to fail, then toward the later phase, um, generally speaking, is described to be deficiency phase. Uh, so at this point, um, the organs are getting damaged, you know, um, like the lung is getting scarring, it's getting fibrosis, or maybe in the case of COVID-19, um, the, the oxygen is not getting into the blood and the, the organs are starving of oxygen and they go into multiple organ failure. So now what happened is it's um, no longer just one organ, uh, it's systemic wide, and also the organs are failing, right? So there's lack of function. So that's a deficiency, you know. So the very quick description is that it goes from exterior to interior. It goes from excess to deficiency. And obviously, if the patient cannot be treated properly or treated well, and they eventually expire. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's very different from Western treatment approach. Western treatment approach tends to be, they, they're always trying to find the magic bullet. You know, so in this case, um, the race is on literally, right, for all the drug companies to find the best antiviral drug or to come up with the best vaccination. And once they come up with an antiviral drug, um, ideally, you can treat the patient that have COVID-19. And if they come up or when they come up with the vaccination, then that could be a cure because that prevents people from getting it, getting it in the first place. Okay, so Western medicine generally focus on treating the patient from the inside out. They focus on the virus or bacteria. They focus on the receptor, the enzyme, you know, the very specific part of the body. Chinese medicine usually focus on the patient that has the disease, whatever the disease may be. So what happens is people that have the same infection may show completely different signs and symptoms, you know, and what Chinese medicine does is they try to treat that person, try to support that patient, right? So once you're able to support the patient, then hopefully the patient can take care of the problem on his or her own, right? So if you think about it, in the end, what happened is we are really hoping the immune system can fight off the virus, 
right? So people that develop immunity against COVID-19 uh, uh, disease, they are then cured, right? And if the treatment in Western medicine is used the convalescent sera, then they are taking the antibody from another patient, which is also from the immune system, to treat the disease. And same thing with vaccination. You know, you are using a weakened or dead virus or something to trigger the immune system to really cure or prevent the disease. So immune system in the end is basically the cure-all. You know, it's only the it's the only thing that can keep up with all the bacteria and all the virus and all their mutation and all their resistance. Okay. You really cannot come up with a drug or herb fast enough to deal with all the mutating strains of the bacteria and virus. It's just not, it's just, just not possible. So in the end, your own body, your own health, your own immune system really is the best medicine. So uh, if you were to uh, generalize how Chinese medicine and Western medicine work, is that Chinese medicine really help the body, help the patient to get to their optimal health. So in the end, they can fight off whatever disease that they encounter. And so that really circles us back to where you started our conversation on prevention, on right. you know being strong and mindful, you know, to live a right. you know a good life even before you're exposed to the virus. What I mean, can you speak to? Uh, and this is sort of a crude question, but I mean, is, do you think TCM will ultimately be more effective than the Western model, or? Are they working, you know, working together? Is that the optimal approach? I mean, do you have any have any thoughts on that? Being right. in both worlds, I think working together is by far the best approach. Okay, mm -hmm. just basically yeah. put away, put away the borders and boundaries and personal differences, and just work together. Whatever that works uh, is something that we should adopt and help the patients. Yeah. and I think yeah. in in this particular case with COVID nineteen. Um, Western medicine, well, Chinese medicine, I think, is um, a very good option as far as prevention goes. Um, if somebody is immune compromised, um, there's really, really nothing Western medicine, medicine can offer. You know, Chinese medicine with diet, nutrition, lifestyle, you know, uh, qigong, meditation, and so on, I think would do a tremendous job to help the patient relax and improve their health and uh, basically help to uh, fight out the infection, you know, even before they have it. Uh, have seen, uh, are there any studies on that? Diet, lifestyle, Qigong, meditation practice, and influence of some of the... Uh, I'm sure there's some, I'm sure there are some out there, um, mm -hmm. but this is something that unfortunately most people probably wouldn't want to spend the money to do research. And part yeah. of the, part of the gap, the, the difficulty is um, none of this can be patented, right? Qigong or meditation. So a double-blind placebo-control, you know, basically a credible study is takes millions and millions of dollars, you know, and because there's no profit in the end, you're not going to have private enterprise sponsoring something like this, you know. And it's much like if you are thirsty, you know, would drinking water help with dehydration? Well, I don't know if there's a you know, study on that, but common sense goes a long way to just tell you, well, of course it's going to help. Right. That's right. I've got a handful of additional questions for you. I, first of all, I want to ask, so as we in the West or at the, you know, or in the, in the United States are sort of at the precipice of this really becoming um, a big problem here. I mean, I'm in Connecticut and we know that New York is now the epicenter. Right. Um, both the clinicians listening to this are largely not trained in traditional Chinese medicine, but how might we access some of these tools? I mean, we'll have links to your documents, but mm -hmm. you know, what would you say to us and, and, and where we want to start and how we want to think about it? Well, I think they, you know, on other, in addition to Chinese medicine, I think there are many other modality of, modalities of medicine mm -hmm. that can all be helpful, you know, so yep. we all need to play our role. Uh, to best help everybody get through this crisis at this time. Um, I think Chinese herb is, Chinese medicine is very effective uh, in the overall scheme of things. Um, ideally, it's something that you're already familiar with. And if not, um, then uh, jump in it and try to learn as much within a short amount of time as you possibly can. Um, the webinar I've done is about, well, the first one was an hour and a half um, because I spoke way too fast. I didn't realize I was going to have 130 slides. 
So in my second watch, <laughs> I took about two hours, a little bit over two hours. You know, so think of it as watching a movie. It's about that duration of time. And uh, so if you're familiar with TCM, which uh, most of the audience I talk to regularly are, uh, they catch on relatively fast. Um, for those of you who may not be, uh, again, you know, try to watch it a couple of times if you need to. And if you have any questions, uh, you're more than welcome to send me questions. Uh, questions. And uh, my email was, is listed at the end of the PowerPoint slides. Uh, so feel free to send me email questions. Um, but in any case, in any case, um, I, I think it's something that will be very helpful. It's also something that um, you need to spend, if you're not familiar with Chinese herbal medicine, you need to spend at least many hours um, to get a good feel for it. Um, don't just, you know, say, oh, this is the best formula, like the Qing Fei Pai Du Tang that I mentioned. You know, this is what mainland China is uh, advertised. Oh, this is the one I, I like. I'm going to give it to every single one of my patients. It doesn't work that way because once again, like we mentioned, um, Chinese medicine treats the person that has a disease. It doesn't really treat the virus itself. So this formula is for the patient who is in the late stage of early phase at early stage of pneumonia phase. It's for patient at that phase. Okay, so make sure you understand that. You don't want to use that formula for prevention because if you use that for, for formula for prevention, it's a fairly powerful formula and it's likely to drain the patient's health even further when they are otherwise healthy during the prevention phase, you know. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, I would encourage, you know, a practitioner who wants to get their toes wet and learn Chinese herbal medicine, um, spends more than just a few hours um, and decide to use it right away. Uh, learn as much as you can, uh, take additional online classes, um, talk to or consult with acupuncturists or herbalists. Uh, so perhaps work in a team approach, right? Yeah. So Chinese herb herbal practitioner do their part and Western medicine practitioner do their part and together um, offer the most effective treatment for the patient with least side effect. And that's basically the ultimate goal. Yeah. To maximize yeah. the effect and minimize the side effects. All right, so let me just ask you a couple of questions. One would be where, so now we really are, we're looking for, for, for traditional Chinese medicine trained clinicians. And, you know, what are, what are our good resources for finding clinicians in our area to refer patients to or to collaborate with? Um, um, let's see. I think, I don't know the website, but I think they are national associations of acupuncturists and herbal practitioners. Um, if you send me an email reminder, I will look for the link or the website that uh, other practitioners can find licensed acupuncturists. Um, so they can cross refer and set up network with each other. I think this is really gonna change the game here with TCM. Now, for those of us interested in getting additional training, mm -hmm. what, you, you're on faculty at a number of different universities. So for somebody who's already trained in Western medicine, where do you recommend they go for postgraduate TCM training? Um, it depends on how in-depth they want to go. Um, let's say if, you want, if they want to go all the way, they are master's degree and also doctorate degree in acupuncture and oriental medicine. And they are no less than 50 or 60 schools, uh, probably even more, all throughout the country that offer these programs. And if the practitioner already have medical background, uh, generally speaking, you, you can exempt from taking a lot of classes. You know, so it's usually a three to four year program, but if they are healthcare practitioners already, most likely it'll be about half, maybe a two year program or so. Um, so that depends on um, how much credit you have already and how many classes you, you, don't, want to, you don't need to take. And then beyond that, uh, you have obviously many different state and national associations uh, that, all, they, that have their annual conferences. You know, so uh, they can go to those conference and um, take CU classes. Okay. Also, there are a lot of uh, online C, C, CU classes as well. You know, so I'm affiliated with Lotus Institute, uh, and that's where I initially did the talk on COVID-19. You know, so the webinar is available there, along with many other topics. You know, we talk about acupuncture, Chinese herb. We talk about Western medicine, meditation, qigong, practice management. You know, basically anything and everything 
that helps a practitioner in any way. Okay, so yeah, so there are there are a lot of places that practitioners can go to learn more about Chinese medicine. Perfect. All right, we will corral together as many as possible on our show notes page to guide you. Now, one final question, Dr. Chen. You're the author of a number of really important works in Chinese medicine. For the non-TCM trained clinician, what book would be a good starting point? Actually, I think the the two the three books that I wrote I think are the great are a great place to start. Uh, mm-hmm. One is a book on individual herbs um, called Chinese Medical Herbology and Pharmacology. Um, so that's where we start. You know, you can use that as a building block. Um, but what happened is Chinese medicine generally don't use one individual compound or one individual herb. We usually put them together to treat the entire person. So the second book I wrote is called Chinese Herbal Formulas and Applications. So this is where you put together the herb, like a recipe, uh, and then you treat specific pattern that you see in the patients. So these two books go hand in hand, and they are the required textbook uh, in all the schools and also for taking board exams. And in the book, it's pretty much like how I taught all my classes. Basically half of the book is describing the traditional Chinese herbology. And then the other half of the book is describing the pharmacology and clinical research and toxicology and herb drug interactions. You know, so it's about 50-50. So it's both herbology and it's also pharmacology. Okay, good, good. I actually, yeah, herb drug interactions. I just want to mention to folks, this is a good reason to have these books actually in practice now if you're considering using some of the patent formulas. Um, but I think probably first and foremost would be collaborating with other, uh, with folks trained in, in TCM. Dr. Chen, thanks so much for your time today. I am just really grateful for the work that you're doing uh, here, you know, and bringing this knowledge, you know, just getting, just broadcasting the knowledge of what's happening in China and sort of the quick and careful work they've done in figuring out what to do in COVID-19. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate you translating it and, and bringing it here to the U.S. Oh, you're very welcome. I do it with pleasure. And I'm happy to share with um, everyone uh, in our medical community. Yep. All right. Well, to be continued, Dr. Chen. Thank you again. All right. Pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. And that wraps up another amazing conversation with a great mind in functional medicine. I am so glad that you could join me. None of this would be possible through the years without our generous, wonderful sponsors, including Integrative Therapeutics, Metagenics, and Biotics. These are companies that I trust and I use with my patients every single day. Visit them at integrativepro.com, bioticsresearch.com, and metagenics.com. Please tell them that I sent you and thank them for making New Frontiers in Functional Medicine possible. And one more thing, leave a review and a thumbs up on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you're hearing my voice. Um, These kind of comments will promote New Frontiers in Functional Medicine, getting the word on functional medicine out there to the greater community. And for that, I thank you. Until next time.